Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. I'm sorry, recording for uh, for uh, um, Brandon. And, yeah. Okay, so let's go back to the text. Uh, what I liked about... I mean, you don't have to accept this ex- explanation. What I liked personally about this one is that it really fits the whole uh, structure, meaning we have the element of uh, really first the, the, the war. We have here the the battle over uh, control, superiority. Um, there's a direct link to the verse that is um, mentioned regarding uh, the woman, and it's the same exact construct. You will depend on him for provisions, and therefore, I know he will depend on you for provisions, and therefore, you will control him. Uh, in the same way here, uh, Abel will depend on you for provisions, and therefore you will control him. Uh, also, you know, that imagery of uh, someone crouching at the door of the granary, right, is a, is a very ancient uh, image. Even the Sphinx, so, you know, some people believe that the, the Sphinx was, uh, was the guardian of the granaries, because, uh, you know, the food, uh, the food storage warehouses of, uh, of Egypt. And um in Pompeii also I think they they uncovered under the uh, lava um a sign of a bakery with a, like a dog lying at the uh, at the opening of the bakery so you're protecting the the riches of uh, and the food that there's there um but more importantly when you take it back into the story and you look at that it's God plays here the indifferent parent the parent that the the child comes to his parent and says, you know, I need some love, I need sympathy. And the parent says, you know, you don't, you're good, you're successful, you don't need, you know, you don't need my approval. And and as a result, that kid, that child, turns against his brother and kills him. You know, it, so, you know, I, as I was first reading it, you know, before hearing all of, you know, that of interesting Hebrew Hebrew finagling and and interpretation, you know, just kind of reading it straight, I was, you know, I was looking at, at verse seven and I was thinking, you know, is this is this an example of God's God saying, you know, you you have you have control over yourself or you should you should have control over yourself in terms of maybe maybe being a good parent, in terms of maybe maybe Cain is sort of the trouble trouble child um, in a way, and God is wanting to express, you know, I see you have these desires and these struggles, but I believe in you and I think you can you can you can govern oh, okay, so you can you can do you can you can you can hold it together. <laughs> right. 
so yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that that you know you could read it, and we want to read it this way that God is being supportive and and is encouraging, kind to take action. Um, but I mean, it, this is the question, right? Why are you wroth? Why are you? Why did your countenance fall? And the answer is, it's all about you. You could do good. You could do better. You will control. You will do right. And I, I agree with you that it could be read as an empowering statement. But I also think, personally, that uh, sometimes children need from their parents the phrases where it's not about. They don't. The parents don't emphasize the word you, but rather they emphasize the word I, as in I love you, and I care for you. Uh, if God would have answered instead of saying what He said, He would have said, "Why are you upset? Because I didn't accept your your offering. I w- I, I made a mistake because I truly love you, and I don't know what got over me. I should not have judged you because of that. That would be a completely different narrative, and." Uh, I, I'm saying it from experience. I see people come to me. Um, I, I dealt with people in their 50s and their 60s who were trying to get approval from their parents before their parents passed away. And there was sibling rivalry. Uh, so, and, and this, is a, this is, by the way, it's a very difficult thing for parents to give. Love. Don't think that it comes easily, especially... You know, you get there into a sort of a vicious cycle where if the parent didn't get enough love from his father or mother when he was a child, then it will be even more difficult for him to share it, to give it to the next generation. I had a, I'll give you one example, someone actually that I knew in L.A., um, a very successful businessman whose father was also a self-made uh, a millionaire, but very demanding, very harsh, and I don't think he showed any great love to his children ever. So the son made a commitment, sort of, to not to repeat the same mistake as the father, right? So he tried to share with the son as much as possible. And uh, and then he came and he told me one day this thing. He took his son golfing, the son who maybe was nine years old. And uh, and he, he hit the ball, or I don't know, whatever you call it. And uh, the father said, he said, I know, I, I gave him a compliment. I said, it was a very good shot, right? And then the child asked, so am I as good as Tiger Woods? Uh, it was a while ago. And the father tells me, I got so upset. I exploded. I yelled at him. I said, this is a, and he used like, you know, the S word, a uh, question. Uh, I said, I don't know what got into me. And then I apologized. I, so whatever I told him, whatever I, I did to to calm him down. But it was was clear to me that what happened here was that the father did not really internalize the need to love his child. He just did it, uh, maybe to be better than his father, or but wasn't it wasn't deep enough for him. Uh, and when this moment came, when the child said, "I need your approval," like I need a compliment, or I need love from you, the father exploded because he said, you know how hard it was for me to get love from my father, and you want me to give it to you, to hand it over to you so easily? You're not going to get it easily. 
And I, I've, I see this story repeating over and over and over again. Uh, did anyone had a, had a chance to see the piece I wrote on uh, on Monday? My uh, email, or you're not on the list. Uh, which which one? Which one? Um, I send every day an email. Uh, oh, the one on kashering? The one, one on, on drinking? drinking? No, so in between, on Monday, I wrote a piece about coming out Orthodox. Uh-huh. And, oh, that, yes. Yeah, and and my whole point in that piece was that, you know, put put aside all your religious beliefs and everything, just how you show love to your child. You know, this is this is what they need more than anything. And I got I got some some angry responses, you know, from people in the Orthodox community. I got some good responses. I also got parents calling me, you know, uh, that that struggle with it. And I said, you know, what you need to do uh, is now to accept your child. This is this is all you need to do. This is the first step. And I think this is a story um, that really shows us this this the importance of that. And I, for me, this is the alternative ending of the story, is that in verse 5, God talks to Cain and says, you know what, I, I really made a mistake. I should, have, I should have accepted your offering, and I think it was wonderful. And you know what, let's, let's try it again, right? I'll try to be more receptive. Instead, God plays it here, the uh, authoritarian, you know, you could do it, you know, be... This is very much, by the way... Um, um, sort of the American uh, uh, mentality of, you know, especially for men, you know, be a man, men up, don't cry, you know, face it, you know, it's... Uh, and yourself up by your bootstraps. Exactly. Uh, even, I don't know if you, if you saw it when, um, when you officiate, uh, I know that some, Josh, I know, uh, officiates at uh, uh, life events, Right? Funerals? Yeah. Did anyone else here? Abby, Julian, you did? Okay. Um, did you see this uh, mentality when people say to know to each other, even family members or sometimes even clergy, you know, be strong, hold yourself together, etc.? Right? I'm a, I'm a pure well, I don't, Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I see it all the time. I can't be... I can't beat Julian on that one. Well, you both say it. You tell people to be strong. No, no. I, I said I'm a funeral director. I hear it and see it every day. Ah, okay. I don't know that you. Okay. Um, so, and and I tell people that this is not the way of Judaism. You know, the shiva, the whole idea of shiva, and the tearing of clothes, and sometimes you know, in certain minhagim, what we do is to ask people to take uh, soil with their hands and put it on the grave. <clears throat> it's basically asking people to allow themselves to show their emotions, to open up and 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 uh, um, and and let it out. So Judaism is not in favor of that, but we have this in our tradition. There actually, there's an amazing book. Uh, probably I don't have it here, but you can find it. Uh, I'm just using this as an excuse to get up. You know. Um, let's see if it's here. Oh, oh, no, it's not. Um, there's a book called Raising a Cain. Um, did I mention it before? Yes. Okay, so that's, that, yeah, I think I mentioned it when we spoke about, you know, uh, men and women, but Raising Cain speaks about 
It's called um, uh, the 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 maybe emotional education of boys, and it's extremely extremely important read. Uh, and I think here is also part of it is like God tells Cain, you know, hold it together, keep it in, and just keep on fighting. Uh, so <clears throat> even if like Evi, I'm not I'm not uh, challenging the reading. Even if we read it the way you read it, I go back to that. Uh, it this this attitude. Even if God tries to be supportive, it fails. So I I I read it as a as a cautionary tale, and I think that at the end, God actually recognizes his mistake because he's willing to negotiate with Cain. Because he comes at Cain with full bless, what have you done? Where is your brother? I know exactly what you did. And then Cain says, uh, you're driving me away. What have I done? What do you want to do? And uh, and God says, okay, anyone who kills you will be uh, will be punished. And I'm going to give you a protective shield or something like that. Why is God doing that? Because God, I think, God acknowledges uh, his complicity here. So, so I just, I wanted to make another, you know, I, don't, I know I just blurt these things out, but if not now, when? Um, <laughs> when I look at... Uh, I, think, I think we're okay, are, I think we're okay with that, it's fine, nobody complained so far. Not publicly, your, not publicly, you know, please. Right. Um, if your, your different, your alternate reading of um, verse 7, I think is even more supported. It's, fast, it's just so interesting to me how much is packed into the first few lines here. Uh, if I read, uh, just these, some interesting things to point out. Um, Hava makes a comment about the birth of, of Cain. She says something about his name, um, and this happens quite a lot, especially when uh, Jacob is having all of his children. There's always some sort of reason why a child is named something, but there's no explanation about um, Havel. Mm-hmm. That's just, and she again, she got Havel, and Havel was a was a shepherd. Period. We don't know anything else about that. Um, and then, interesting, it's the um, Haya Oved. Adama. So I can also read that as, as and Cain was a uh, basically a servant of his father, Adam. He followed in his father's footsteps. He was the good first son. He went into the family business of tilling the ground. Because Adam and Chava, they got kicked out, and they, God said, you got to till the ground. Uh, God didn't say you have to be shepherd. Right? Um, so the second son is the one that goes off and does something different, not the family business. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I've seen family dynamics where the second son also, the younger child, gets more of the attention. And the older child, some, this is sometimes, not all the time, the older child could just be assumed that just following the footsteps <coughs> and everything, everything's fine for the older child. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big mistake, it, God acting as parents here, and I agree that this is a cautionary tale, because I would hate to think that God actually does this, <laughs> um, showing favorites, etc. But it seems to say, listen, Cain, we know you've got everything under control. You're going to be in the family business. Everything will be fine. We're worried about your younger brother. He's out there. So I'm going to, I'm going to show a little more attention to your younger brother mm-hmm. right now. Um, so just deal with it. 
because you're already the older son. You're the right. Son. So you already get a lot of, you know, I have, you know, my oldest child is the first grandchild of both of our families. That's a big, so uh, he yeah. gets both my wife's family and my family. He's the first grandchild. Um, so there's a lot that comes along with being the first right. grandchild. Uh, just to, just by being the first. Right. And I think that all, all of that dynamic, I don't know what that is. There's uh, a loud sound. Not, let's try to yeah, mute our microphones and see. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's gone. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm just saying, all of that, amazingly, is packed into these first seven verses. Uh, yeah. Like, all of that, that whole... The faulty family dynamic. The, you know, right. Really... I, I agree. I think I think it's a it's a it's an amazing uh, story, but it's not just sibling rivalry. It's all family dynamics, and this is I see, uh, in a way, you know, from chapter two when Adam is created, it's like a modular thing. You know, Adam is created. There's a problem. The problem is loneliness. So the woman is added. The woman is added now. There's a problem of responsibility because, you know, whatever she did, she 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 accuses someone else. He accuses her. So you know, when you have two people, it's hard to find out who's who's the responsible party. Then the third person is added, and there's the question of who does he belong to? Does he belong to the father or the mother? Like you said, Kaniti Hashem. The fourth person is added. Then you have. Like with every person that is added to the mix, you know, you get you, you the the story becomes more and more complicated. Um, and I think yes, I think that's the beauty of the of the of the biblical narrative here that it shows us shows it to us how the the this evolution in a good way, like civilization e- evolves and splits from just being farmers to being farmers and shepherds, but that in itself creates a conflict. And I like the comment of. Cain is serving the land the way Adam was supposed to, and Hevel is sort of the the rebel or uh, or the innovator, but he's being killed by by Cain. So, so something that I was wondering about is where is Adam in all of this? Because when you know they t- they talk about you know man being intimate with with his wife, she became pregnant and gave birth, but then she says both. I and the Eternal have made a man. So, what's this kind of threesome <laughs> go- oh, going on? That's really, you know what, that's a very good question that I didn't think about uh, in that sense. Um, the the Midrash does bring Adam back into the picture. He meets Cain and he says, "What, you know, what's your story? He says, I made Teshuvah, I repented. And Adam says, oh, I should do this also. But maybe I mean, just that's just a maybe. Uh, if we because because we were looking at the story as some as a story that reflects human nature, right? And uh, from an evolutionary point of view, we know that men, uh, if it was only up to them, would not be committed to their to the to the women, right? Do, I mean. Do we know that, or or do you agree with me, or is something that we that you disagree? Uh, men, what are, what are you saying? How that men would how be how committed possible? Polygamous or or just you know 
have a child and, and walk away. Probably true evolutionarily. Yeah, okay. Josh? <laughs> no, it's, not, it's, not about, it's, not, <laughs> it's not about you. It's about men in general. Men in general. So men can just have a child and walk away. Yeah, I think that's exactly how we're programmed. Yes. Biologically, I think that would be the intent. Right. And Abby? Uh, there's an entire... Yeah. Now, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say there's a large social framework that keeps us from doing that. Right. Don't you see, like, you know, I think I've seen several scenes like that uh, in sitcoms or uh, or movies where... Uh, you know, you know, people are dating, and then she would say, "So, what do you think about children?" And then he just he runs away, you know, because he's not willing to have this this commitment. Um, so well, I think I think, it's, I think it's also present. I mean, this is present in many communities, and uh, I think more prevalent in communities that are it is. probably near the po- poverty line. Poverty line. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> then might might not have the means to support. It is more you, common in, in... All these children right. are like, you know, like, yeah, my father was never around. I don't even right. know who my father was. When we say, like, when we say... All the time. Right, when we say single parent, usually it's the mother and not the, not the father, right? And and by the usually, way, even, yeah. even, even with more, you know, uh, affluent families, the, uh, the abandonment is maybe not of the child, but of the mother. Uh, you know, you see powerful men who think that it's okay to divorce two or three times you know, and have, because they don't have this full commitment to their wife as, as a partner for life, as the, as the women would have towards them. And I think maybe that's what the, uh, you know, Abby Perry, your comment, uh, that we, we, we sort of like very, you know, in a very subtle way, the Torah alludes here, that like his whole involvement in the story is that he knew her, he was with her, she gave birth, she names the child, she feels that the one who helps her raise the child is God, not her husband. And then... What, what is the... Because uh, I'm looking specifically at Kaniti Ish et Adonai. Like, what's the, what's the, gra- what's the grammar? Well, the grammar, it's complicated because uh, it, the, the word et could be either im, I, I per, or, or I have uh, purchased or acquired a man with God. Or it could be for God. I've acquired him in for God. So I think the et is a, has this double entendre where she could look at, you know, this is an act that would not have been possible without the miraculous intervention of God. But also the firstborn is dedicated to God in a certain way. <clears throat> so, I wonder why she says ish and not yelling. Uh, because... You know, when you have a baby, when I have a, you know, when you have a baby, you don't usually refer to your baby as a as a man. Yeah. But yes, I have a new man. I have a new man in my house. Why not? I mean, people he have shirts he, saying he, like, he you know, the little man. You know, the little man. They call him. Um, but I think maybe again, you know, we, since we are we are on uh, um, uh, everything here is, is symbolic and is projected towards all generations, right? So in the mentality of the woman, you know, for many women, and I know that uh, as a fact from talking to people, they look at the son 
as sort of a substitute for the husband in terms of support. Of someone, here's a man that I could rely on. You know, without even getting into the Oedipal, you know, complex and all that. That's, uh, that's, that's a, a complication of that. But there is a natural relationship that uh, uh, the woman uh, looks at her son as, you know, someone maybe who, who conveys strength or stability or, and love and all that. And unlike the husband who's going to run away whenever he can, her, her son is always going to be loyal to her. So can I ask another question? Yes. Just the word, just the word kaniti. I mean, you know, I know it. Just like in that form, it's it past tense, but like within the biblical Hebrew construct, and I don't remember all of my biblical Hebrew grammar. But could it could it be interpreted as being like as being future tense, like that God and I will will make a man? Uh, yes, it could. It could be kaniti in the future. Yes. Yeah. What? No, there's no reverse, reversing vav. You're right. There's no vavaypuch vekaniti, uh, right? Uh, but it's maybe, could... it's, maybe it's just her realization that maybe without so much help from from Adam, right. that he is going to need to rely on the, you know, the help of God to yes. actually create a man out of the baby. <laughs> Could be no, but it's it's in to what Donna said. I think it could be like sort of future progressive. This is a this is a process that will going you know is going to go uh, happen, uh, keep happening. Uh, and the word kaniti kana in Hebrew is uh, to also own in a very uh, vague way because there's no verb for owning in Hebrew. If you realize that in 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 English you say I own, and you say I have. But in Hebrew, you only have the word yeshli. I, you know, something belongs to me. It's the focus is in the object and not me, as if to say that God is the the, the total, you know, the ultimate owner. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so yeah, a lot is is packed into the story um, about relationships. Like you know, interesting what I mentioned between the husband and wife, you know, between the parents and children. Um, there's a there's a beautiful midrash here that uh, you know maybe it's w- worth looking up even though I'm not doing midrash I'm trying to look only in Tanakh but maybe one second uh, let me open this one I probably have it in a, one of, of my files separately but um, and that is uh, uh, after after Cain kills Havel. We have a Mizrash by uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who says, Why is it not open? Okay. One second. Okay, whatever. I can't. I, for some reason, my uh, my uh, CD-ROM, my my disc on key is not working, so I can't show you the text. But I'll do it in the few. I mean, what? 
Whatever. Okay. I don't know. It's it's uh, God versus the machine, not working. Um, the anyway, the midrash says the following. Uh, it says uh, the, this. It says this story is hard to say. It's hard to mention. It's uh, it's comparable to uh, to two athletes who were wrestling in front of the king and the king. Um, and remind me, Josh, if we did this midrash in the summer, maybe we did. Um, uh, and the king, if the king would have wanted to separate them, he could have, but he didn't. And then one of them overcame the other and killed him. Now this 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 midrash, this story, is taking directly from the Greek culture in Israel, the Greek and Roman culture, you know, the gladiators. Um, so we have two gladiators who are wrestling, and we know that at the time, the uh, the end of the match was uh, very... Uh, very violent. It was not. It didn't end with a gold medal and a, and a you know and silver and bronze. It ended with uh, with death. I mean the uh, the the victorious one would uh, would uh, execute the other one, unless the emperor would give him the thumbs up. And and that's why the midrash says if the king would have wanted, he could have saved the life of the loser, of the of the one who was uh, defeated, uh, but he didn't. So now, but the end of the story in the midrash is. <clears throat> that the dead athlete cries out, his blood cries out and says, who will defend me, right? Who will ask for justice for me? And I think this is what we see here. I mean, uh, what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says is uh, really not in the text, because the text, we read, Kol what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out for me to me from the ground. But Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai reads it as the blood of your bri- of your brother cries at me, not to me, but at me, blaming me. So in a way, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the Midrash uh, accuses God of being guilty of 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 Cain's uh, of uh, Abel's death. Um, so now I want to conclude with this so uh, so God concludes the story by telling Cain I mean he asked him where is your brother I don't know I'm not his guardian I'm not his keeper Um, he says I hear the blood of your brother crying to me from from the ground and according to Rabbi Shimon it's crying at me Maybe it's also a function of Rabbi Shimon living through the Great Rebellion and seeing all the bloodshed. And he asks God, why do you let this happen in your world? Um, and then, look at what God tells Cain. He says, when you till the ground, it shall uh, not yield its strength to you. And you will be a wanderer in the land. So Cain says, Gadol avonimin so." My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me out this day from the face of the land, and I will hide from your face, and I will be a wanderer in the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Um, And God answers, Therefore, whoever kills you will be, uh, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. It's not 
it's not fully clear what is the Kain's argument that God gives in. Kain, Kain just restated the facts. Does he make an argument saying that what you're doing is unfair? He says, I have, I'm, a, I'm a great sinner. You drove, you drove me away. I have to hide from you. I'm going to be a wanderer and I'm going to be killed. God should have said, yes, that's what, exactly what I said. You're going to be a wanderer. You have no protection. Why would you need... Why would you, how, how dare you ask for protection? What is the argument if you're, you know, uh, as a lawyer, right? You're representing Cain. And you say, my client wants protection because what? Because he was punished? Does he say that the punishment is too great? How do you read that? say it's too great more than it's too great for him uh oh sorry sorry then i have a problem here uh i didn't the the translation fixed it the hebrew is gadol avoni mineso avon is sin not a punishment right so he actually says my sin is greater than i can bear so what what is his argument really I had no idea what I was doing, maybe. Mm. This is, but it doesn't say that, right? I mean, what is bargain for? But it, it doesn't really say what that. Is, no, he doesn't. What is Cain's argument? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, there's no, I, I don't have a definitive answer, but the, 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 the problem is that if he is a farmer by trade, he can't make a living anymore as a fugitive and a wanderer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but, but God could say, yes, that's your punishment for uh, abusing your power. Right? Some people read the first, this phrase, some commentators, as, with a question mark. Gadol avonim neso. Is my sin too great to bear? But I want to read, I mean, maybe I will leave the question mark. But I, I want to see this statement, right? Why is this necessary uh, you have driven me away and I have to hide from you. What does it have to do with the second part? I will be a wanderer and I will be killed by anyone who finds me. This is unnecessary, this, this, this part of the verse. And I think that what Kind does here, he, he alludes to, to something that already happened. If you think of this Garden of Eden. Right? Exactly. Uh, what happens in the Garden of Eden? Look. They grow up. Adam. They grow up in what way? What happens? They, they, they're, they're, they're banished. Sorry, Donna? What? They become aware of good and evil. They get a higher moral Right, and then as a result, what happened? Like, so they went through this process, and then what happens after they ate from the fruit? They get kicked out. They, oh, they're they're you know they realize they're naked. They have a new sense of reality. Right, and so they get a new sense of reality, which God wanted for them to have, and they're banished or kicked out, as you both said. If I Adam, and the exact word, he drove out the men. But before they bring driven out, before their dialogue with God, what do they do? In verse eight, and the man and his wife hid him themselves. Oh, they, they hide. 
Hi. Hi. So let's let's. I think that I, we could read Kain's argument. Kain says, "Look, he tells God, I don't understand. Is my sin too great to bear? You drove me away, just like you did my dad. I have to hide from you, just like my dad had to hide from you." So, in other words, what Cain is saying, telling God, it's not my fault, it's your fault. That your system doesn't work. If it happened to my father, and it happens to me as well, that means that something in your plan for the world does not work. That is, uh, you could call it chutzpah, you know, it's really, it's very, you know, uh, uh, audacious to make such a claim but he tells God it's not fair because the system is rigged against me I am bound to sin and God answers you know what, you're right, I don't want other people to kill you uh, as, as almost as if saying that uh, or maybe maybe that is the added element of Cain of he tells God you want to punish me for murder but now when you send me away without your protection, I will be murdered as well. So what are you going to do? You're just going to perpetuate your mistakes. You didn't. You, your system did not work with my father. It does not work with me. And it will not work with the person who's going to kill me. So, so God says, okay, I, I will make the boundaries now. I will uh, announce that people cannot kill you. And and he gives him this signal, you know, that in Hebrew is called Ot Kain, uh, Cain's sign or Cain's stigma. Um, later on, I think this is translated into the prohibition against murder that is given to Noah and his children. And 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 the symbolically, you see, Vayetze Kain, Milifne Adonai, Kain went out from the presence of the Lord just as Adam did. And he lives Nod. Nod means the land of wandering, east of Eden. So he's east of Eden. He's he's literally driven away from the garden, even though he was never uh, born in the garden. Um, yeah. So that that is how I see the story. Um, and uh, we know we added, we all added beautiful elements here. Um, we could look briefly at the next one, but first, if you have any more questions, comments, um, you're welcome. Yeah, there's one, yeah, I, one question comes to mind, which is, um, in, yeah, 14, again in 14. <clears throat> um, so, and whoever finds me, um, who? Who else is a, who else is around mm. uh, at that point? Because <laughs> based on you're asking story, from the biblical uh, point of view or from an evolutionary point of view. I don't know if I'm looking for an answer to this. I'm just asking you. You know, sometimes we could mid, we could create midrashim with just questions. Uh, we don't have to have answers, right? Always. Um, but I just think that's interesting that he would ask that question. It kind of proves that the story. It's not about that they were the only ones on earth. It's a specific right. purpose uh, that this particular family is serving um, at the time. Mm-hmm. That concern about other people really tells you that there are other people around. 
Yeah. So that was, um, and of course, the other question I have is if he's supposed to be a fugitive and a wanderer, why is it that he settled? How does a wanderer settle? Right. No, but that's that's the um, thing. Ironically, uh, I know it's in it's in the land of wanderers, um, which is playing on his punishment, I suppose. Yeah. You know? So you know, it's funny that you ask. I mean, there are there are three um, there are three uh, I think at least three indicators uh, in the text that there are other other human beings at the time of uh, of uh, you know of Cain and Abel at least. One is that it says in in uh, it says that Cain had a child, right? Who who does right. he have a child with? He has a wife. Also, it says that... What? Where did she come from? Where did she come from, right. Then it says that he's building a city. A city for whom? For him and his wife? This is a bit, that's a bit pretentious, right? To build a whole city for two people. Even if he thinks that he's going to have a big family, right? <laughs> You could you could build a house, a you know a, a a a village, a city, and most importantly, that issue of um, whoever will find me will kill me. So the rabbis answered the first question, uh, like the, the first question of who did he marry, by saying that Cain uh, and Hevel were born with twin sisters. <laughs> Which of course need not be mentioned because women are never mentioned in Tanakh. I mean, unless it's really necessary. Um, and then they married their each one married his brother's twin sister, so they made the whole you know story in one big incest uh, party. Um, then w- with the city, they didn't really answer the question of city. I don't. I didn't find any answer to that. And with, the, with your question, Josh, of uh, who is going to kill him? They said it's the animals. The animals are going to kill him because as long as uh, men did not commit this grave sin of murder, the animals are afraid of him. But once he's, he did that, he loses the, the image of God and now he's vulnerable to animals. So <clears throat> all, all of these arguments are very weak. So a while ago, uh, many years ago, I came upon this article, which I'm going to show you. Um, this is the this is the title of the article. You see, will the real Homo sapiens please stand up? Rabbi Nosson White. Originally, this article was published at the uh, uh, com. Are you familiar with H H Torah A I S H? Okay, yes, of course. So H used to be very modern, very open minded, but it has been a, the victim of a hostile takeover, and it's now it's black hat, meaning the, the the first thing they did, as appropriate for observant people, they purged their website from pictures of women, you know, because God forbid uh, we allow you know pictures of women to be online in a in an H website, but also they cleared some articles that they felt were inappropriate, and in this article. Which now only exists in a in this website. Let me show you. Uh, failedmessiah.com, You see, 
That's a it's a renegade it's a renegade uh, Orthodox man who who compiled a lot of articles of you know you see banned books and you know and other things um, you know see excommunicationage.com uh, <clears throat> uh, they pulled an article so this article argues that uh, by the way failed Messiah was purchased about a year or two ago by uh, by uh, uh, an Orthodox millionaire wanted him to stop publishing stuff so it was a big big story in the in those circles anyway the argument of this article very brilliantly and I, mean, I think it's very clearly also very you know, logically that the the whole story of creation is a metaphor and it and that the world as we know it came to be through the process of evolution and we know that mankind has shifted from uh we know different, you know, Homo Neanderthal to Homo habilis and then to Homo sapiens. But the the move from you know Homo Neanderthal to Homo sapiens was done through divine intervention, and the story of creation in the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve and all that is basically the story of God installing the new software, right? Mankind 2.0. Uh, so this is this is almost almost like the you know the intelligent design, but it's not the same. And this is what I personally, if I try to reconcile the Torah with evolution, <coughs> what I say is this: the world was created through a process of evolution, guided by God, but not in a way that God makes every change. But rather, rather there is a there is a process. Everything can be understood in terms of evolution. Everything. Uh, maybe we don't have the technology or understanding yet. But it doesn't negate the existence of God, and on the other hand, to believe or not believe in God is a choice. And the more difficult thing is to believe believe in the in the in the uh, revelation and that the God communicates with us. But I think that's a, that's a good point when you talk about uh, Cain. We already see that the concept of humanity is already there, and that's one of the very strong indicators that you cannot take the story literally. So yeah, I see. I see creation is. I agree with you. I see creation not as the creation of uh, the physical universe, but I see this as the creation of our spiritual development. Yes, and awareness yes. and consciousness, and, and that's really what's being. Mm-hmm. Really what these stories are about. I mean, it, it, to have a story like this, this old regarding family dynamics, something that. Yeah, you know, that, that is contemporary. Right. Today, that to me is it's incredible. Yeah, right. And because when you think about, for example, Greek mythologies, right? Uh, psychiatry, psychologists will tell you that all of them are reflected, you know, like uh, uh, amor and psyche, right? It's about, you know, unfulfilled love and all that. Uh, of course, Oedipal, the, Oedipal, the Oedipus and, and, and his father and mother, everything is there. Uh, Pandora's box, all is there. But <clears throat> all of them are mythical really either superheroes or, or fantastic creatures that we don't immediately associate with. Whereas the biblical narrative is so down to earth. Those are real things. Even when you read a verse like, when they were in the field, Cain spoke to heaven and killed him. You see, you feel something is missing. What is missing? Communication is missing. They're not talking to each other. Um, and and I felt it most strongly uh, a couple of months ago when we were reading in the Torah the, the stories of Jacob and, and Joseph and his brothers and all that. And 
we were having discussions over Shabbat table, and I stopped them at one point just to say, you know what, I don't want to even intervene in, in the discussion. I want you to... But to me, it's amazing that we're sitting here 3,000 years after the events described, and we're talking about them as if they were, you know, our relatives or our, our neighbors next door. That's really a, a powerful story. I don't think they have, they have any parallel in other literature. This really... Whether it's human or divine author, uh, you know, if it's divine, it's divine. If it's human, whoever wrote it was a genius. So, you know, I'll keep reading. Let's put it this way. Okay, so we'll conclude for today. Uh, thank you all. And uh, we'll, Bezat Hashem, we'll continue next week. Like I always say, if you have any uh, question, comments, and during the week, uh, I'm available. Oh, wait. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.